Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, a.k.a. Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Monday, December 16th, uh, and the boys are back. Boys are back in town. Yes, sir. It's been a couple days. We uh, we were planning initially to record after the Thursday night game, Jets at Ravens. Uh, both of us got a little bit caught up in terms of getting back home, so it was pretty late. I didn't when, get home until 2.30 a.m. Yeah, I was home probably by like 12.30, but I was pretty beat. And uh, didn't really feel like waiting for Spencer to get back. Uh, you know. Shout out to the light rail, Baltimore. Uh, took 90 minutes to get home. You were like getting it out of the tailgate, too. Yes. Also, and, yeah. And then friend of the show, Kyle J. Andrews, was also complaining about that going out of the Orioles' uh, winter warm-up. So light rail got to get their shit together a little bit here. Light rail's sucking big time. Never again. Metro's fine. I'll be, I'll be metroing if I'm going to do that again. But... Not fun, but it was fine because I got to sit there and smile and know that the Ravens moved to 12-2, and two, took the division, and did it with some exclamation points. And at this point, as we are recording, well, it, 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 that's how it will stay. The Ravens have the best record in the NFL at 12-2 and two and are a 97%, according to Football Outsiders, uh, lock up of the one seed. Yeah, it basically comes down to the fact that they just need one win over the next two weeks. And with at Cleveland and home to Pittsburgh, that seems fairly doable uh, to get them to 13 wins. And then, you know, depending on what happens, if they get the win next week, it does sound like RG3 is going to be slated to start against Pittsburgh at home in week 17, leading to the uh, rare uh, two week bye for the starting uh, players there. Yeah, a lot of them will get a ton of rest. 
thankfully, the Ravens have been able to knock on wood, remain pretty healthy. That was a big takeaway from the Jets game. Obviously, a game on a short week. The Ravens did a really good job uh, player maintenance-wise and not overdoing it. I read a little article on the good old Athletic about, excuse me, it was actually Penn Live. Uh, our buddy Aaron, who wrote an article regarding how practice was just moved to nighttime to give the players a little bit more rest. And, uh, you know, players didn't go out to dinner after they won against Buffalo or anything like that. They just went right home and went to bed. So Ravens did a good job handling business there and then handling business on Thursday. Sounds like there's maybe a little bit of a load management creeping into uh, the NFL here. Yeah, there should be. And it's a smart thing to do. Physical sport. Got to spread things out and make sure you're playing football that allows your guys to stay healthy when you're, I mean, obviously have clinched the playoffs up, clinched the playoffs very early on. You want to remain in your best shape and able to roll through those playoffs. So you're a rest guy, not a rust guy. Yeah, I'm a rest guy for sure. The buy, especially having a buy, I mean, all time teams have a, I think it's like a 59% winning percentage off of a buy. You're always going to do better off, especially of John Harbaugh, who's like 13 and one off of a buy. So exactly. Except, well, actually, no, excuse me. He had one buy and the Ravens won in the playoffs. Yeah. The Texans game. Yes. And that was a, that game was JJ <laughs> Watt. That was when I realized who JJ Watt was. That's when I realized who Jacoby Jones was. That's on the other side true. of things. Yes. That was a huge game. Texas, in, a, in a bad Texas way for him. That game. Yeah, yeah, no, that was an ugly game. I think Ed Reed called Joe out after that game, too, a little bit. Yes, he did. Uh, got a little little fire going, a little animosity. Well, it worked because Joe played well the next week. I was uh, in the annals of Twitter. And, the annals of Twitter. And uh, caught someone saying that, you know, basically, you're crazy and wrong if you say that, oh, yes. if you leave Joe Flacco off of your Mount Rushmore of Ravens players, meaning that he is above. And it got to the point where he said you, he is the most important player in franchise history, so he's putting him above Ogden. Here's my thing. I Ed and He Ray. is not even close to the most important player in franchise history. He is on my Mount Rushmore of players. I can see him I would bump Ogden. I would bump, I would bump Ogden. I'm not bumping. No way. Not Ogden. Suggs, I can see. I think Ogden is the— Suggs was the third best player. I think Ogden is the best player of— Ogden's probably the best player in Ravens history. Yeah, so he's easily the best player of Suggs, Flacco, and Ogden. But he played for 11 years. He won a Super Bowl. You know, career is shortened a little bit. First ballot Hall of Famer, Famer and everything. But I think he the had other a great team, femur. He did have a good. Well, he he had a good femur, but not a great toe. Not a great toe. Yeah, so that kind of sucks, and that shortened his career. I think if he had had a longer career, I probably would have him over. Joe and Suggs, but Joe was just so instrumental in that second Super Bowl and Suggs, uh, just the longevity, the personality and how good he was as a player. I think the three things there for me kind of bump him up into that, but it's not Mount Rushmore season right now anyway. So it isn't. That's right. PMT. Uh, that's for the summertime. That's for the summertime sadness, but yeah, we got a mailbag. So we got the wheels turning a little bit, just a few. I posted a little bit late. Sorry about that. We have seven. Uh, we'll get into it. So we've got Alex Spinocchio. Would you guys consider bringing Vaz back on for an episode? I missed that guy. Yeah, we can bring Vaz on this week. We do, yeah. Anytime we want. Yeah. We'll, we uh, talk we'll, to him like every day. So He's literally the most handsome man alive. So, yes, yeah. we'll have him the back The Greek on. George Clooney. Yes, exactly. Vaz will be on maybe this week, maybe next week. Uh, he likes to come on and talk like like quarterly. Yeah, quarterly. Like, like he likes thing. to do like big picture stuff. Yeah, right? definitely. He'll poke us. It'll be like, hey, boys, can I jump on with you guys to talk a little, you know, like the last mid-season four weeks. Mid-season review. Yeah, exactly. That type of deal. So. He's kind of our uh, big picture 
executive producer type deal. So yes, exactly. He looks like a superstar. So he does. He is uh, the exec the EP credit there. Five time Gold Glover Adam Jones three fifty seven. How worried should we be about the Ravens' lack of playoff experience? I'm going to leave the last part of yours off because other people touched on that, Adam. So we'll keep that separate. I'm not worried at all because if you think about it, <clears throat> the Ravens have Earl Thomas played in back to back Super Bowls. Never not been in the playoffs. I might have to double check on that. Maybe his rookie year. I think they missed it like once when he was there. Yeah. So he's has so much experience, played in multiple championship games, all kinds of stuff. Marcus Peters never missed the playoffs, played in the Super Bowl last year. Jimmy Smith was the catalyst of winning a Super Bowl, has played in three postseasons, four postseasons, three or four. Uh, then obviously a couple other guys, Raven, Brandon Williams down there. Uh, Josh Bynes was on the Super Bowl team. Let's just break it down to Lamar. Does that worry you? I mean, he's been there once in one year. No, I, th- I mean, uh, no, that doesn't worry me. I think he's uh, going to play his game. And my my prediction of him going Super Saiyan still prevails. But then, I mean, let's talk, let's keep talking to Mark Ingram. Tons of playoff experience. Marshall Yonda. Marshall Yonda. Tons of playoff experience. Um, so there's the offense definitely is definitely guys. the offense is definitely younger than the defense. Oh, for sure. They only have Yonda really. Yeah. That is uh, super experienced. And other than that, I mean, Snead and Ingram were both on those Saints teams then. But that, yeah, you do have a lot of young guys on offense. I mean, to to an extent, it does worry me. Uh, I think that sometimes you see these high flying offenses get into the playoffs and be a little bit over their skis. But I don't know. I'd also point to the Chiefs last year. I think they should have been in the Super Bowl, if not for a uh, uh, offsides call that cost them an interception on Todd Brady late in the AFC Championship game. That, that was crazy how that went down. Yeah, they would have been there. So, I mean, the lack of experience thing, like, it you see these young, high-flying offenses get into the playoffs and get bounced. And the Rams last year. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, and they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. What people don't kind of consider with the playoffs sometimes is it's it's a one-off thing. One play can knock you out of a game. And like that doesn't always necessarily come down to experience. Sometimes it does because experienced players, Earl Thomas, you know, for example, would know where to be and when, you know, how to make a play. And maybe their sort of mental acuity is a little bit more developed. So they're a little bit more accustomed to, you know, a moment like that. But I think it just winning the Super Bowl is so fucking hard, like hot take. It's a hard thing to do. (laughs) So but people like don't think that every year. They say that these young quarterbacks are like, oh yeah, he's going to win three. This other there's guy's like going to win three. It's 28 like twenty eight fan bases think their team's going to win. Yeah, the Super God, Bowl. it's like, like guys, like there's one to go around every year. Like with the exception of Tom Brady, like nobody is like winning multiple Super Bowls. Like you know what I mean? Yes, and I wouldn't say as experience necessarily. I just have the personal philosophy that if you're not on the Patriots, that you have to bleed in the playoffs a couple of times. Yeah, I agree. In order to win a Super Bowl, you need to like be motivated by the incredible, like you, the general, one of the general sayings and things is that you're motivated more by your failures or motivated more by your losses than you are by your success. Uh, success is the friend of complacency, whatever. And I mean, obviously we saw Lamar was has been extremely frustrated with how last year ended, so to be determined but getting into kind of the playoff picture and i don't think anyone necessarily asked let me double check we got a dm message that might have touched on it this is great radio by the way. assuming a first round by which team from the wild card draw presents the worst matchup for the ravens so thinking about the potential of let's say things end most likely is that things are going to end the way they are it's ravens one pats two chiefs three then some combination of the Texans slash Titans. As of, as of right now, it's the Texans today. They got the win yeah. over the Titans. So. Yeah. So let's say it's the Texans, 
the Bills, and then the Steelers or Titans probably, whatever ends up trickling around that way. That means that basically the Ravens can't play the Chiefs and the Patriots. They will only play one or the other. If the Texans are going to come back to Baltimore, I don't see a possibility of them winning. Maybe they make it a closer game. I don't think the Ravens blow them out like that again necessarily, but I don't see how they can come in and beat the Ravens with what they have. They don't have a dynamic rushing attack. Deshaun Watson isn't... I mean, the Ravens are so damn good against mobile quarterbacks. Anyway, the Chiefs are the only truth of threat for me. Um, and I think that the Ravens are more motivated to beat the Chiefs probably than any other team. That's the only team they haven't been able to beat in the the new era. Um, so it's most likely the Ravens end well, up playing. Okay, so Lamar you know, Jackson has played, what, two bad games this year? Like, bad games. Steelers, he was not great. So the Steelers is kind of what I was driving at there. He played not great against them. They won. And that was the catalyst to this uh, winning streak that they're on right now. But he did not play well in that game. You yeah, were, really you were his harshest critic after that game. See, I'm not worried about that because I'm not worried about the Steelers because I don't think Duck Hodges is coming to Baltimore and winning a playoff game. And I, I agree with that. I don't even think that they're going to make the playoffs. As we're talking right now, they're losing to the Bills. Yeah, shout out to me for not getting the TV set up in here so we couldn't be watching it. But uh, we'll have that set up very soon. Oh, well, we'll uh, we'll get the fourth quarter once we're done. But anyway, yeah, so... Just got my Hawaiian shirt. The, I, I really only see the there. Chiefs being a threat. If the road comes through Baltimore... And our Christmas tree box is just chilling, and... Well, this used to be a spare bedroom, so I'm we're trying to figure it out. It's a studio now. It's the studio. It's the studio. There's also a foot bath over there. Oh, shoot. I'm going to be getting my nasties up in there. Anyway, but yeah, Chiefs... Chiefs are the only team... Bold prediction, Chiefs are the only team beating the Ravens in the AFC playoff picture. I mean, we've been say, saying that to be fair. Yeah, yeah. They, they scare me still. I think their defense is criminally, criminally underrated. Um, not a horrible unit at all. They've and also just been kind of lying in the weeds a little bit. They lost a couple of games they shouldn't have lost. Mahomes was injured for that's a while. What I, that's what I like about them. That's well, that's what I I'm like saying. Their like, that's why... I, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I like their chances better because of that. They're... They're an under-the-radar team that has some of the most unconventionally, you know, high firepower that we've ever seen on an offense. I don't think that's, you know, a hot take to say that at all. They have talent on defense. I wouldn't say they're good on that side of the ball, but, you know, they're talented. And then Andy Reid, he's going to get that monkey off his back eventually, you got to think. And he has Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. He has to. Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the league, um, as much as I hate him. But I don't know. Yeah, okay. We don't have to get into that. But we don't have to get into that. But anyway, yeah, long story short, playoff. Those are a little playoff preview. We'll get into that when uh, push comes to shove in a couple of weeks. But yeah, so interesting situation. My biggest takeaway, though, is that the Ravens can't play the Chiefs and the Patriots. They will play one or the other, and I find that to be a huge propelling force moving them towards the Super Bowl if they're able to win a game. Um, it's it's going to be winning a game and then beating one of those two teams probably is what I feel is honestly, going to the, what you just got to root for the hell, root like hell for the Chiefs to get upset in their uh, one of their two games. Or I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would rather play the Patriots if it's in Baltimore. I'd rather play the Patriots. Um, but yeah, and then moving on to some of our other mailbag questions, we've got Scary Gary. What are some things that you've seen on tape that jump out at you that others may not be noticing? I'm going to go with Tyus Bowser being awesome and disciplined because he's so fast and has such great recovery. His ability to cover, I think him and Judon dropping into coverage. Judon leads edge rushers in coverage snaps, meaning that he's dropping back. And then Bowser is fifth. Uh, that was heading into this week. 
Judon's been lining up, kind of doing that Pernell McPhee thing or that Courtney Upshaw thing, lining up over the A-gap standing. Uh, so just a little bit more defensive versatility. And I think overall the defense is really doing a great job limiting big plays against the Jets. They did have a couple, you know, miscues, whatever, weird Thursday night game. But um, those two guys, Judon and Bowser, I think have done an excellent job. And then Pat McCarry has been a force as a pass pro, uh, a center that can just hold the fort down. To me, I want a little more Miles Boykin involvement. Yeah, absolutely. He, the athleticism is great. We already knew that. We were already excited about his future in this offense. But, uh, you know, his touchdown against the Jets made me go back and watch his other two touchdowns I think he caught this year. And it's both or all three of them at this point have been on plays where Lamar kind of improvs behind the line. And I think for a young guy, and especially a guy his size, you don't really see the improv ability as much. They usually are just more physically dominant. But I think he's shown to be a really technically sound receiver that, if used in the right way, has a very bright future in this offense. He's like a basketball player in the passing game. As a run blocker, he's a dog. Oh, yeah. But he's pretty finesse as a route runner. Which is weird because like he's, he's the, huge. He's the big guy that had all the speed and stuff at the combine, and you, you expect him he's to like come He's like Kevin in. Durant. Yeah, right. You'd think he'd be like a you know, Alshon Jeffrey type thing. That I saw that comparison thrown out a few times, yes. and he's really not that. He's more like— He can make the contested catches, but he's not like a push-off guy. It he's reminds like a me quick of, feet guy. Yeah, it reminds me of like a Keenan Allen where he's just kind of a big, smooth technician, and you know he's obviously not on that level nearly yet, but— if he kind of goes to work in the offseason and even up until then, maybe if they line him up at some of these spots at tight end where they're getting guys like Hurst open, uh, you know, with their creativity, I think if you get him wide open and uh, get him a ability to run in the open field, he can make some plays for you. So I'd like to see a little bit more involvement. He's definitely him. doing a good job finding grass in the end zone. Yeah, definitely. He's always wide open. He's like, I was looking at that Miami one and he just sticks his foot in the ground and completely leaves the guy just out in the wasteland and, He's nobody's. We saw him him track the ball really well in Seattle. Yeah, that first play, yep, the deep ball. So I just want more involvement out of him down the stretch because it also feels like with only 12 catches on the year, he could be kind of a secret weapon for you in the playoffs that people aren't expecting. Absolutely. And then some things that maybe are limiting the Ravens, I would say there are a lot of opportunities for Lamar Jackson to check into some easy screens or bubble screens or slants, easy, quick passes. They're get, the Ravens get a ton of off coverage, especially wherever Hollywood is, because you can't touch the man if you try to press him. He's so quick. It feels like there needs to be better execution on the screens to me. Like, if you look at the Buffalo game, there was a screen attempt to Hollywood where... That the, one was bad. If the offensive line had just gotten downfield, that's a touchdown with his speed. But so. see, there, that wasn't like... To me, that's not a true screen, like... It's not just a, a snap, a turn, throw. That was like a... Explain to me what a true screen is. Like, it's not just turning and throwing the ball and having some blockers come. Okay. It's, that was like, you know, it was like a rollout, and then Lamar turned back. It was like across the field, back the other way. Okay, yeah, I see. It's and more, of a, we've, more we've of a trick We've seen those Mark Ingram, too. Okay. Yeah, it has a little gimmicky yeah, yeah. feel to it, where you're rolling out and doing something. You're trying to deceive the defense instead of just a quick hitter that attacks them. I think there's a lot of those ready to go. And I think the Ravens have really good receivers to be able to get five yards after the catch on some of these. Um, so if you notice, Hollywood is always off. And if he's in the slot and you put two tight ends outside of him, let's say you put Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst outside of Hollywood, who's in the near slot, toss him the ball immediately and against off coverage, he's going to get a first down and might get a touchdown. I mean, he's fast as hell. Um, so that's something they could work on. With that being said, I also think there's a lot of room for some wrinkles and gimmicks that we haven't seen yet. 
with some jet sweeps and some reverses and just how much motion there is pre-snap. I think Roman has some real back pocket stuff um, that he's been holding on to. This team has a couple pages left for the playoffs, I would guess, and some extra little uh, gimmicky things. Maybe, let's say, Lamar takes off downfield and whoever has the best arm throws him the ball. Just some stuff like that. I, I see some room for some more gimmicky stuff, but I would like some quicking, more quick hitter screens. Um, then Angela Hester asks us, which I guess we can kind of just get into. Um, we'll actually save that one for last. So we got ZJ Batman. Should we be worried about RG3 as a backup? Love him as a mentor, but kind of worried. How do you feel about RG as a backup? If he has to come in the game, God forbid. I don't think he's played great in the certain spots that he's gotten, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily worried. I, I just, what else are you going to really do at this point other than just sort of have, you know, at least a little bit of faith that they're going to be able to figure it out if, you know, it comes to that point because they figured it out with Lamar very well and they obviously didn't re-sign him if they didn't have any belief that he could come in and drive the bus if he had to. So it's really just kind of a blind faith for me where if they have to figure it out, They've given me enough reason to be confident that they can, but as a player, he certainly has his limitations, and you know it's just kind of the thing where if you go to your backup quarterback, then it's kind of sort of over for you uh, right from the start there. I mean, I know we saw Nick Foles win it, but that just doesn't really happen too often. So Literally, him and Brady, and I think there's like two other scenarios. And Brady was a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, Brady ended up becoming a Hall of Fame quarterback, like the best quarterback ever. Um, I think it's difficult to judge RG3 Based on what he does in a that's blow, also in a a blowout, point. yeah. Like when all the st- you know starters are out on both sides of the ball, it's like a weird scenario. You can't totally knock him based on the way he's played here. So I don't want to come off as overly negative about him there. It just he does he hasn't put a ton of great film on tape when he's gotten the opportunities. But continue. It's just like you know Gus Edwards running the ball seven out of the ten plays. RG three comes in, they do a little slant here, or something. He threw a pick once. I don't. If he has a full week of preparation and. You know, is with the ones all game can establish a rhythm and is able to kind of mix it up and call some Greg Roman call some plays that are more specifically to suit RG's strengths. I think he's one of the best backups in the league. I'd put him probably, you know, top five uh, guy that I, I'm happy that they have. So as I could see being worried, but at the same time, it's really just hard. It's like a guy playing in preseason, like. You know, our boy it's Trace like McSorley. what they did in the preseason with the starting offense. They didn't show anything. Right, exactly. You're just ending the game. So it's, don't don't judge him based off of that. But if you have worries for other reasons, I can completely understand it. Like physically, he's limited in his decision-making with running and even passing the ball sometimes is questionable. It was but. quite evident that he is not Lamar Jackson <laughs> when he is running the ball. And... I don't that, think they ever were even similar players as much as people like to harp on that. He's more of like the straight RG3 line. is probably faster. Yeah, like in a, a dead line in a, in a race, RG3 maybe not at this point. But at least in his rookie, prime, yeah. He was a sprinter at Baylor. Like the dude's fast as shit. He like, was an Olympic quality 110 hurdler sprinter. Yeah, and Lamar is more of like a slasher, like really quick and elusive. And His he, vision is what makes him special. And then his, his ability to cut and juke and stuff. And that's RG3 was not like that. He was... I'm going to get to the sideline and make your angle look stupid. But kind of like Kaepernick almost. Kaepernick wasn't, you know, a highlight juker, but if he had grass, he was going to burn long, you. Yeah, long legs. You take two steps and you got a first down. He but. actually had such crazy speed. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, and then we saw RG get laid out a couple times. So that comparison has always been uh, a little bit laughable to me where people have knocked Lamar and we've gotten into that a bunch. But it, they're just completely different runners. 
and then Lamar right now is seeing the field really well. So I don't know. I don't know. RG uh, had his little time with the Browns. It'd be difficult to say. But then moving on, getting into the meat and potatoes, and this will probably just end up be- being somewhat of the end of the mailbag as we have the last two questions, but it's going to move us into a little bit of a news segment. Um, we'll keep it brief, and then we'll get into it more on the other side of the commercial. But Angela Hester asked, if Suggs were to come back, whose spot is he taking? As in, like, who do they cut? Yeah. Um, Ward, Justin maybe? Ellis? Yeah, Jihad Ward or Justin Ellis would probably. I don't think Jihad this. Ward. I think they like Jihad Ward. He's been playing a lot, but Ellis, I think, has been inactive the last two games. That's yeah. That's who I meant. Actually, you're right, Justin Ellis. Um, I always confuse those two. Jaleel Scott. Nah, no, I think they're probably gonna hang on to him. Brittany Treywick, maybe. That's a tough one. I have. I'm gonna go with Justin Ellis. They have Pico Pecco. They've got Williams, Pierce, Pecco. Ward, yeah, it's probably just Ricard. That yeah, so we're gonna go with Ellis. Then money making Mark 06. Wow, that's a mouthful of. Can I have some money? Give us some money, Mark. If you're making so much, chances Sug X Suggs actually comes back to Baltimore. Do the Ravens even want him? Chances fifty fifty. Jim, Jim, I think I think he requested his release, wanting to come back here. Yes, I don't. I think that was like, and then like the stuff about him like not reporting somewhere. He's obviously putting that out there. Like he wants to come here. It depends on if another team wants to be a dick and block that from happening, which they're within their rights to do. And it depends on if the front office here would like him to get into the mix, given that they have a good thing going and they'd have to re- remove somebody like we were just talking about. Let's get into this on the other side of the commercial. Okay, and I will say chances fifty fifty, and do the Ravens want him? Yes. Yeah. I agree. So that's the end of the mailbag. Thank you so much. It was a short one, guys. Sorry, I posted it a little late on the old IG. Uh, we'll maybe hit you with another one. We are going to be having um, our good buddy, Mark Sessler, oh, yeah. on to discuss the Browns game. He's been on twice before in uh, the time that Jake and I have been running this show. And so he'll be coming on. We'll post another mailbag. But, yeah, we'll, we'll hit you guys on the other side of the commercial. All right, so jumping into the news that we were just discussing, the Suggs situation, I mean, it's a complicated one for a lot of different reasons, but like I was hitting on there, man, I just feel like it was a move by him to get away from Arizona. They granted his wish because they're going nowhere, and he's pretty clearly putting this stuff out deliberately to Schefter and whoever else uh, was reporting that if he is not, or that if he is claimed that he will not be reporting uh, because he just wants to go to Baltimore and nowhere else. I think from his camp, it's fairly clear that they want to get this thing done. I don't see why the Ravens wouldn't do it from their end of things. So, I mean, like you said, with the 50-50 thing, it kind of feels like this is going to get done to me, but other people maybe don't share the same opinion. What is kind of your overall feeling on it? From watching Terrell Suggs since I was 10 years old as a Baltimore Raven, the only thing that I know with absolute certainty is that he would never wear a New England Patriots helmet and he would never wear a Pittsburgh Steelers helmet. So I think him putting out that he would retire if he is not, if he doesn't get to the Ravens and the waivers makes a lot of sense. If it's, let's say, the Saints, which I think could make some sense. Marcus Davenport went down, who has been an excellent edge rusher for them this year. Guy they traded a bunch of picks to get last year. Took a little time to develop, but a freak athlete. He's had a really quietly amazing year. Unfortunately, he's out for the year. Huge blow for them. Then... 
the Titans with Dean Pease. We could possibly see that. As so with that one, Ian Rappaport tweeted this morning, situation to monitor with pass rusher Terrell Suggs. While he'd like to play for the Ravens, it sounds like at least one other team is poised to claim him. So he says, at least there. And he says, if it's the Titans with DC Dean Pease, there is some familiarity there. Suggs will not be certain to show if it's not Baltimore. See, let's... Can you recall what happened when Josh Gordon, this whole thing was, was there something being said that he was going to get claimed somewhere? Like I, I've, there's so much that swirls with that stuff. I don't know. And I feel like if you're the Titans, you don't have anything to take away from the Ravens. And if you, you can contact Terrell Suggs, if you hear this, I don't think that's any sort of, of course, like bad, whatever wrongdoing. There's no rule broken. There, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, to contact Terrell Suggs and be like, Hey buddy, you know, we're going to put a claim in. Is that cool? And he says, no. Are you really going to do it if you're, let's say, the Titans? And he says, no. Um, I, like I said, 50-50 chance I see. What he would bring and what I think he is at this point is a really good edge setter still. He's someone that understands leverage and angles. And um, if there's a pocket that is kind of sitting for a while, he can disengage and go get in there. I don't think he's winning off of his first step anymore, but I still think he's a good run defender. And if he does get behind a quarterback, he is so efficient at stripping them. Um, if he is able to get home, he's got that chop. Yes. That monster chop. He's always had super efficient at forcing fumbles. And then that screen diagnosis, he's always been the, really the best edge player in the NFL at, getting in those screen lanes and jumping. And I mean, we've seen him pick a couple of them off. He's a very solid perimeter defender when it comes to the box, which yes. perimeter defense in the run has not been stellar. Even in that this, is the chink in the Ravens. Armor. Even in this Renaissance of the defense that we've seen, they've still had trouble defending outside runs. And that's something that he could certainly help with. So that could be the last pinch of salt that the dish might need. Um, and I think that the Ravens absolutely really would love to have him back. People have asked questions like, is the locker room going to be disrupted or unacceptable? No. I, I think mean, they would love it. I mean, save for whoever has to go. Uh, you know, if it is somebody like Ellis, I mean, he's only been here a couple of weeks. I'm sure guys would be sad to see him go. But bringing in a guy like Suggs, who a lot of these people are familiar with, who's a legend around here and who the young guys who just came in this year, I'm sure I've like heard a lot 40 about. 40 of them played with him. Yeah, I'm sure it would be great for the locker room in that sense. And I think he would have a good sense of where he was at. You know, the fact that he decided to go somewhere else and uh, turn down the decent money that they offered him to do so. I think he would kind of not necessarily, he's a smart guy. He wouldn't, you know, go out of his way to be the loud voice in the room and try to force himself into a leadership position. I think he would just kind of be that quiet sort of veteran presence there that, knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl and is not going to necessarily fire his mouth off, but is just going to kind of be that one of the calming presences there and sort of defer more to guys like Earl Thomas and Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. I think he certainly like, he's not going to be the the pregame hype guy all of a sudden and you know, that whole thing. But we saw Matt Judon immediately tweet, come back home, right? They want him like Matt Judon, Brandon Williams, even though Pernell McPhee's hurt, Pernell McPhee, Josh Bynes has played with him before. Jimmy Smith. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, all these guys, they they want Suggs home. He was their leader. And still, obviously, it, it brings this, and this is something Vaz actually said, it brings a little bit of that team of destiny feeling and that little kind of magical touch where Suggs is back all of a sudden if, it, if he does get through the wires and whatnot. Um, 
It would really be so fun. If I'm the Patriots, I mean, I was thinking about it earlier, but now it just hits me. If I'm the Patriots, there's no way I'm not putting a claim in. on. No, I, like, so here's the deal. If another team does put a claim in on him after he's already said that he's not going to play for them, it is clearly just a, just a, you know, sign of disrespect. It's a cock block. What, yeah, it's a cock block and it's a totally blatant one. It's very obvious what you're doing to the Ravens. So if you do that, fine, but be prepared to deal with the consequences because, the players are not going to be happy with you. The coaching staff's not going to be happy with you. The ownership and front office are not going to be happy with you. If you want to do business Mainly with the, the Ravens, the, fan, the fans are not. And we pay their salaries, mind you. So be careful with that. And if you do this, like you run the risk of not doing business with the Ravens in trade deals. You run the risk of alienating yourself against them a little bit. And, you know, for some organizations, might be that, a good, that might be a good idea. <laughs> maybe for some of them. But for that other might one, be good. The cost has been fleecing people. <laughs> Okay, well, look at, like, they have a great relationship with, like, the Eagles, for example, who are a smart organization. Yeah. With some of these other Absolutely. teams they have a good relationship with. Like, you re you run the risk of putting yourself in jeopardy in that sense. And let's say, you know, maybe you're at the owner's meetings and you want to get some advice from Eric DaCosta. He'll say, hey, fuck off, buddy. You're not getting anything from me. Sure. I, I think he is a guy who is well-connected. He's very he, competitive as he, well. Yeah, he is competitive. But he's also, you get the sense that he's a well-connected guy and he has friends in the league. And, you know, he knows a lot of people and he's a powerful guy in some senses. And Steve Pashati is obviously one of the more well-respected owners. So if you put in a claim on this guy and he doesn't report to you, you're just putting up a middle finger to the Ravens and saying, you know what? We're just trying to. If you're in the AFC and you want to come to Baltimore after doing that, you're going to get you're going to get shit pumped. And, and don't and don't, gonna be, don't be surprised if you see Terrell Suggs at the game as like a legend or wearing fan or Ravens something. colors on the sideline. Yes. Like a Ravens, at your a Ravens fitted hat black. Yeah. That's or Orioles, he's a big Orioles cap guy. Yeah, I mean, so if if you want to do this, go ahead. But you're you're kind of making your bet a little bit because this was a move that was obviously engineered to get him back here by his party, and it's a move that I could see the Ravens. It's a declaration of war. Oh, a hundred percent. And if the Patriots want to put it on claim, then God bless them. But you know, I think they've got other things to worry about right now. Terrell Suggs. I mean, let's even go on further. Let's just run with it. I mean, go ahead, Terrell. If if you happen to to somehow hear this, go ahead, Terrell. Go to New England. And report and get in the game and fall down. <laughs> Just like jump off sides every play. Jump go go do what D Ford did against the Chiefs last year. Do that to the to the Patriots this year. Go jump off sides. See if they'll put you in on a on a third or fourth and ten and see if you can jump and uh, give the Chiefs a little free play there. So there's a little there's a little little spice on there, Terrell. Go get a couple checks. Go screw somebody over if they're gonna screw the Ravens over. Do it. Do it for Baltimore, baby. Yeah, that would be pretty funny to be honest. He's just a sleeper agent. But, but yeah, so 50-50. I we're gonna find out tomorrow. And I feel like I have a kind of a pipeline dream that it's gonna happen. And then we're gonna get to 4 p.m. and be like, oh, of course somebody claimed him. Of course the Packers claimed him. Of course the freaking Saints claimed him. Like He's not the thing is he's not he's not what he was, but he's definitely not the 53rd or 54th player on any NFL team at this point. He still brings so much IQ expertise, playoff experience, Super Bowl experience, all that stuff. He's like, you know, hate to say, but like kind of somewhat similar. I'd say Suggs had a little bit better of a career, but James Harrison when it's the same, he went yeah. to New England. It's yeah. the same thing. Well, Harrison also flip-flopped between other teams and the Steelers, but like he went to the Bengals and then he went back to the Steelers. And it'll be similar to that. Like you know, he doesn't he doesn't have 100 percent in the tank to bring, but still a good, good player, good leadership presence and a legend within the organization that uh, is going to know uh, what buttons to push with the coaching staff and going to know how to communicate across the different position groups. So I think he's uh, definitely somebody who could help this team a lot. And uh, to all the people that would take it personally, if he came back as if, you know, with some 
you know, middle finger to them leaving in the offseason to begin with. And I don't know what to tell you because I think it would be a good move for both parties. But we'll see what happens. It just gives them team a destiny and we'll leave it at that. Okay. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into the Jets game. And I mean, Jake and I had a really fun time. We tailgated a little bit. Um, I got on the light rail on the way there and it took, I want to say 80 minutes to get from Hunt Valley down into the stadium, which irritated me somewhat. And then uh, went over, talked to a couple buddies, had a couple beers. I ended up getting super duper saucy when I was in the game. Uh, I had, it was, I was saucy, uh, but we were shotgunning tall Bud Lights. Yeah, that was, that was fun. But then one in the game, I went a little ham bone because I, some concession person made the mistake of going, oh, just so you know, buddy, uh, beers are, you know, alcohol sales are done at the end of halftime. And then that, the child in me, immediately the clock hits my brain and I'm like, oh, I have to drink as many beers as I can before halftime. Of course, yeah. You don't got to drink five beers. Yes. And so that's what happened. And then I'm, you know, up up in my section, bellowing, screaming, high-fiving, watching Lamar Jackson, deke and dodge duck dip dive dodge and throw dimes all over the jets um there's a it was a somewhat strange game especially on defense but uh, i think that we had a really fun time overall and then talking game wise we saw the jets throw everything at the ravens offense we saw three-man rush four-man rush blitzing cover two cover three cover one man press soft man a spy we saw greg williams did every single thing that he could to lamar jackson and lamar identified recognized and destroyed like he's literally the terminator in some of these games now i mean five touchdown passes in three separate games no one in the nfl this season has more than one and i don't even understand in his last 92 completions he's thrown 21 touchdowns and what's crazy about it is all you have to do to stop him is put seven defensive backs on the field so i don't yes. know why more a lot of safety coordinators don't do that because, a lot of safeties yes yeah. jamal adams was out that's why the jets lost yeah that's okay. the only reason yep yeah so if jamal adams was in and then they had a couple more safeties they could put those in the box had them play linebacker and then they would have stopped the ravens easily oh yeah easily um but yeah so then the defense i mean people forget the defense allowed 14 points, and there were a couple chunk plays. The Jets ran a ton of crossers, and I don't think that Ravens fans are familiar with Sam Darnold a ton and know that he's actually like fast as shit and great athlete. Throws on the run really well. The touchdown pass, we saw Crowder drop the touchdown in the corner of the end zone where he was it was kind of a blown coverage uncovered. Then the next throw was I mean, Marlon covered it really well, but it was a... Same play, basically, for... Yeah, it was, a, it was another deep crosser. Yeah. And Darnold threw a freaking dime on the run and his ability in space. It, it's weird because he doesn't have, like... He can't scramble for 30 yards. He doesn't have good top speed, but he just has, like, a... He just looks like a shortstop, like a really good shortstop. Good stop. balance, yeah. He's like, yes. a guy, he's like a point guard out there. He just kind of, you know... Gets a really good base with his feet. That's something we saw Lamar struggle with in his rookie year that he's gotten right. better at this year, which has helped him tremendously as a passer. Uh, but he has a great base. Um, yeah, just really like strong lower body. And he's kind of always shuffling, always moving around, always keeping his eyes downfield. And he's got a strong enough arm that he can make throws at almost any angle. That's why I made the Tony Romo comparison and why I still kind of like that a lot for him. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, he's just in a, you know, improviser. He's out there slinging the rock around, you know, at all these different types of angles. And I think he's got a bright future in the league, but... I'm not necessarily 
overly optimistic on that take if Adam Gase remains in the picture for a long time, which sounds like he is going to be back for another year. But I guess that's a whole other story entirely. But yeah, good game from Crowder. He was definitely getting involved big time. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I thought they were going to try to get him involved in the passing game. And they did a little bit, but really didn't do much there. And it kind of did feel like a game uh, up until essentially right before the half when Darnold threw the interception to Chuck Clark. And then it was kind of it's funny because we were uh, I was with friend of the show, Matt Pine. Um, I just went to his place after work. So thankfully, I wasn't subjected to the light rail because um, he lives in Fed Hill. So we just Ubered over. Uh, he joined us at the tailgate and then we went up to our seats and we were sitting in front of two extremely obnoxious Jets fans. Really? Oh, they were loud and proud. And I was like, hey, buddy, like, you you know what's going on here? Like, do you know, like the records of the teams and everything? Like, he just came from Jersey, I bet. Right. And he's like, yeah, I'm from Jersey. What of it? And I was like, you yeah. ever had a freaking bagel? The delicious. Oh, best in the city. Hey, but, watch what I'm walking over here. Hey, oh, yeah. He looks like he was right out of like AJ Soprano's frat, you know, house. But it was it was annoying at first. But then Darnold threw that pick. And that was the last time I heard from them. Like, it was funny because Matt was actually getting a little rowdy. Like, you know, I, I don't want to air him out too much here, but we're buddies. So he doesn't care. He's getting a little uh, testy. Little, yeah, getting a little chippy with them. And I was like, dude, they I do know. it. I, do, I always do. It. No, I do sometimes, too. But like, A, I wasn't drinking a ton that night because I had to drive later. And then B, I was just like, these guys, like, they just don't know what's about to happen. And when Darnold threw that pick to Clark, that to me was we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. That was kind of to me where the game pretty much ended from a competitive standpoint. And that is what it sounded like for uh old Rodney and uh, Joe from Jersey back there. I had three very nice, I'm going to say, ranging from 18 to 21, maybe, your old Jets fans sitting in front of me. And they were like, they were pretty quiet. And they definitely, uh, you know, I ended up I ended up talking to them and chatting them up and talking about how I like Darnold and a bunch of stuff. They were very nice and just giving some, some input. I have a lot of buddies that are Jets fans from Towson. But, um, I mean, they are just a strange team and they have been for years. It feels like, it really feels like those three AFC East teams, obviously the Bills are a little better this year, but are always like super testy and win random games that they shouldn't and have like a Like the Cowboys mark. this year. Yeah, exactly. And the Dolphins doing weird stuff all of a sudden and making games really close at times. Um, they just have that weird feistiness to them in the AFC East. I guess it's maybe because they're used to playing the Patriots who are supremely good. And I maybe they're not scared of anyone but the Patriots or something, but... Uh, they uh, they had some feistiness to them. We saw Le'Veon Bell had a couple of nice power runs, and uh, somebody that played a lot better this game was Pecco. Um, Pico, yeah, had a really good game and moved into gaps well and kind of recovered because I don't think he had played that great the last couple of weeks. Even though PFF disagreed with me there, the Tyus Bowser strip sack was huge, and I love that whenever teams randomly decide to try to block Judon or Bowser one-on-one with a tight end, it's game over. It's a holding. It's a sack. It's a strip every single time. Don't know why people are still doing it. And to me, it feels like Bowser has really, I mentioned it earlier, but I feel like he's really come a crazy long way. And a lot of it probably just has to do with getting in the actual game. And that's something I feel like the Ravens have limited with some of these edge players a lot. And, you know, Maybe not just Tim Williams, but Tim Williams of not giving them the actual snaps and letting them find their rhythm and their place and the speed of the game in game and stuff. So I'm very happy with Ty's Bowser. Uh, we saw 
LJ Fort is an animal. He, again, we see why the Ravens gave him a two-year extension. He's just like the perfect player to go chase mobile quarterbacks to me. Um, so he was able to get some good pressure. And then Jets did a good job. Like you said, on those crossers, they were tough. That's the, the over route is the most popular in football right now. Marlon got beat a couple times. Um, Marcus Peters made some really good plays in this game. So Jets definitely uh, made it a little bit of a game. But then the offense just exploded the throws to Seth the throw to Seth Roberts was really took the cake for me is like the highlight of this game where it was just one-on-one and Lamar just dropped one on them uh, we saw the similar thing with Lamar able to recognize Hollywood Brown lined up with uh, Neville and what the like a slow thumping fullback of a mic lined up one-on-one with Hollywood and gets a pass interference down to the one yard line so Lamar was just on fire in this game broke the rushing record obviously which um, I didn't think he was going to do this year, headed into this year. I didn't see him carrying the ball quite as much as he had, but I was saying I wanted to see Lamar do it with his arm a bit in this game, and that is what the Ravens did, so I was very happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, the Hollywood touchdown was absolutely filthy from uh, Brown's point of view. He is incredibly fast, obviously, and they were covering with a linebacker, which is a tough look if you're Greg Williams, who had some choice words about Lamar Jackson that were squarely shoved in his face by the uh, – by the young quarterback there, but the Hollywood touchdown, I saw a couple of things on Twitter about how that shows that he is more than just a burner. He's a complete wide receiver. And on that play, he For sure. had the sensibility to get his head around and find the ball in the air and track it. And then toe drag swag a little bit for the touchdown there. So that was on freaking real. Um, yeah. Just a great game overall for the offense. Lamar running it. What did he have? Almost 70 yards rushing. He did he 80, the, 88, something like that. 88. Okay. So yeah, even better. And then five passing touchdowns, his third five-touchdown game of the year, as we mentioned, which is unfreaking real. More than Kurt Warner had in his career. Yeah, and Kurt Warner, another guy who we really don't have to get into, but had some things to say about Lamar this past weekend, kind of annoying. Uh, but What did he say? I don't know what he said. Let's get into it. Wasn't, it. Re- it wasn't anything really bad, but it was like basically one of those things where like he was one of the people who was wrong on him and then he was like oh well it's obvious we were wrong because we thought we didn't anticipate this offense around him being so good it's like well part of the argument that all of us ravens fans were making is that they're building this offense around him and that's part of the reason why he's going to succeed so that's I, funny you didn't watch the kaepernick 49ers you yeah the freaking moron tyra taylor's best years like you know crazy to imagine that greg roman with even more talent than he's ever had and you know I don't know. It's just a whole other stupid argument. Three top 10 tight ends, according to PFF, which leads me to I was hammering it and I feel like it happened as I was begging for it. Mr. Hayden Hurst had a freaking angry run. I like first play of the game. Yes, it was. And just thumped off Maurice Kennedy and then Neville, who had a rough game, made a couple plays actually. And he freaking smacked Lamar. That was the hardest I've seen Lamar get hit in his career on the Mike Vick breaker. And that was like the big hit that we've seen Lamar take, but it wasn't in the head. And that was that was the biggest hit I've ever seen him take. Um, but anyway, the ability of Hayden Hurst to – I feel like he just has confidence growing now. And I want to see him get some targets deep and keep expanding. We touched on Boykin earlier, but Hurst getting rolling right now is like – I don't even know what Death Star getting a second with Andrew with Andrews having some issues with injuries and everything and a couple of games where he struggled and then now you're going into this final stretch of the season and you're approaching the playoffs it's the perfect time to get a guy like that rolling who has all this athletic potential he showed it in the Buffalo game with that long touchdown a guy who has that ability you've got to start getting him involved I think now to get him rolling for the playoffs because he's not physically overused or anything like that 
And let's say he needs game, some momentum and confidence. Yeah, exactly. And like, let's say Mark Andrews does get injured in a playoff game, then he's going to be rolling just as much and he's going to be able to step in and you're really not going to miss too much of a beat. I think getting a guy like him and a guy like Boykin, who I already hit on involved. Yes. Loved Boykin's touchdown. It came on Lamar scrambling a bit to the, a bit to the right. And if you look, it kind of looks like uh, Lamar is going to get taken down by the right edge rusher over top Orlando Brown. I don't know who it was, but. Lamar kind of stops and evades him, steps up in the pocket. And like, I feel like with the young receivers, sometimes they can kind of take that as a point to maybe stop or like try to find somewhere else in the zone to uh, get open. But he just kind of stayed patient. He kept running his route and he got wide open on the right side of the end zone. Lamar found him for a touchdown. So that was an awesome play by Boykin. Absolutely. Um, and overall, yeah, I mean, in, there's not a whole lot to hit on in this game. It was kind of a wash as we were predicting, but big one from Chuck Clark again. I do want to ask you, is it, Maybe time for DaCosta to start thinking about he's done this countless times already. Is it maybe time to buy low when Chuck Clark is kind of in ascending property? Yes. Because he's got one Holy more year on his shit. contract. That is a good point. Extended yes. three year deal. Like eighteen million or something. Decent money. Keep yeah. him cheap, keep him happy, keep him that gives him more confidence. Absolutely reward him. Yes, a hundred percent. That's an amazing call. I could see that happening tomorrow. Like yeah. That makes sense. Because I was thinking about it, and for some reason, I thought he was a 2016 draft pick. So I was like, oh, shit, is he going to be a free agent? But he was 27. Right, right, right. So he's got one more year after this. But if you just buy low on him now, like you did with Fort, like you did with Young, like you did with Boyle, like you did with, you know, all these guys. I'm big into rewarding guys. And some people, like, I, I don't, I just don't see them as like a number and things like that. Reward Chuck Clark for having patience, remaining sharp, ready to go reward him show younger players they're younger even than chuck clark or, or the incoming draft classes show them the light show them that this organization will reward you that you're in the right place you're in the place where if you succeed you get taken care of and and sometimes it doesn't work out like it has sure it, 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 never, it it's never going to work out 100 percent. it time. didn't work out with chris moore this year like he's clearly been unhappy with his role and you know beefing a little right. bit with harbaugh but you know other times it can like a guy a six round pick three years ago can get paid a decent contract and become a starting player if he just kind of works for it and uh, finds himself at the right place at the right time. So yes, I think it would not only send the right message, but would also be a really smart move football wise, which DaCosta has. Uh, and it's not even going to hurt you next year because you just extend him and it's going to just go on to like the 2021 cap. Not and you'd assume maybe Tony Jefferson off the books at that point, which, you know, which would kind of Tony's suck. not Tony's not taking a fit. There's not going to be a Tony Jefferson with a $15 million cap hit. Yeah, exactly. So what, no matter what happens, Tony Jefferson will not be costing you that much. So yes. maybe he stays in the picture, maybe not, but he's something's going to have to be done about that. So I think it might be the perfect time to get Clark wrapped up in the books. And then if Tony wants to hang around as a rotational guy, then certainly let him, because I think it's another important thing to not necessarily, you don't want to be overly sentimental with these veteran guys, but if they can still offer something and you can get them back on the right money. It's like, pe it's like peanut and Jefferson could be similar to peanut where we see Jefferson kind of struggle at times with a hundred percent usage being on the field, every single play, and I mean, he didn't have Jimmy Smith. He didn't have Marcus Peters, whatever. We've talked about this, but let's put him on the field for 30 snaps instead. Let's put him on the field in situations that are to his benefit. See if he wants to take a pay cut. If not, that's fine. But again, that $15 million cap hit is, is not a box safety. No, it made sense at the time. And that was, I was ridiculously hyped about it, but We've seen, you know, what happened. Unfortunately, that injury happened, and that that's nothing against him. I don't care about that injury at all. 
Uh, he's like one as far as like a person. He's one of my the, favorite he's the players best. of the last couple of years. Yeah, that's why I love him. He is awesome. He's so much fun. He's incredible in the locker room. He's made big plays at times. You know, he had the one of the best plays of the of, during his stint stint in Baltimore so far was that strip of Vance McDonald last year. And that was one of the best plays that any Raven has made in the last three years. Yeah, that was unreal. So that was awesome from him. But yeah, I think Chuck Clark is a guy for sure. Um, kind of going back to the offense, getting big picture a little bit. So something I found that was pretty interesting. Lamar Jackson at this point has attempted 370 passes. Of those 370 passes, we have 68 passing attempts coming on an RPO. Out of 153 RPOs, he has ran the ball 81 times there. Then 145 uh, play actions. So of his 370 passing attempts, we have seen 57% of his passing attempts be RPO or play action. And that is just another singing endorsement of Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson modernizing football. That's why the Ravens have become the darlings of the analytical world where play action is just statistically better than not play action. And the RPO, even if you run the ball, don't run the ball, whatever, obviously Lamar's so lethal as a runner, but uh, it, it just brings those linebackers the fact up. That, the fact that he's gotten the fumbling issue in order has really, it should alleviate any concerns with RPO offenses because obviously there's yes. a chance of a bumbled exchange or whatever, but he's gotten so crisp and clean with his ball fakes and uh, he even like on some plays where it looks like Ingram is literally fighting him to hang on to the ball hole, like rip it out of Ingram's belly and like just throw it up the field for a big completion. So I think he's he's kind of shown a mastery of it, which is uh, uncanny for a young guy like him. But uh, yeah, it's working out really well. And I feel like this is something I'm just going to, maybe it sounds stupid, whatever, but signing Ingram, putting him next to Lamar, I feel like has brought such a calming presence. And you know that Mark Ingram's not going to go from being kind of Drew Brees' main guy for the better part of a decade, come to Baltimore and have Lamar like, messing around with the option holding the ball too long like if that happened one time in camp you know Ingram's probably like don't fucking do that again it's the perfect like and this is kind of a more meta conversation but it is the perfect meshing of personalities because you've got kind of the young unassuming guy who's only focused on you know the Super Bowl and this and that he's not really like doing a ton of media opportunities on like some other uh uh, quarterbacks from his class um but yeah you've got and then Ingram on the other side of that who is the veteran guy who is swaggy and boisterous and kind of brings the the fun and the personality to the team in the in a way that few players in the league really do. I think it's a really interesting dynamic and like we talk about the the MVP race and everything and I think just Ingram funny enough is like weirdly a huge factor in Lamar winning this thing which I think he's going to like him going up to the press conference and doing the come see me thing and like him he's literally his bodyguard yeah like after the after the jets he's lamar's game, muscle he is he, he's got the big bulldog neck and he walks up behind him like after the jets game and he's like interviewing him and it's like he's part of the reason why lamar is going to win the mvp it's like not even like a question to me it's just hilarious thinking about how like ooh, the details yeah. the de that was a thing in new orleans last year it feels like he always has a phrase every year this year it's trust big trust all that well stuff. our buddy yeah like sessler went on a USO tour trip with him to like right. Iraq with like him and Rex Ryan and like, <laughs> and like he apparently like there's a soundbite that they play on the, around the NFL podcast where like, I don't I don't know what the context was, but like he's talking to Sessler and he's like, yo, my dog Mark with a C and like, because he's Mark with a K. Right. And like, so yeah, he's just like, he, wherever he goes, he's just got this infectious, funny personality and he looks able to make friends with everyone. He's the ultimate locker room guy. Yeah. He's just a total guys guy, total badass. 
like in terms of being a player you heard ricard talking about it on here about how he's just brings all that energy and the swag so he is one of my favorite signings in a very long time for this team it's crazy the continuity that the ravens have established right now outside of basically marshall yonda every other piece is locked up for two years and yonda is is through next year uh skura is a restricted free agent then Ingram's locked up for two years. Ricard's locked up for two years after this year. Sneed's locked up. Andrew is Hurst. Gus Edwards is a free agent, unrestricted. I think unrestricted because so, yeah. he was restricted this past year. Yes. Um, Hollywood, like all the major pieces for the most part are locked up. So this offense, I mean, maybe we see Greg Roman head out, but just personnel wise, uh, players wise, they are in such an amazing place to keep growing. They have so many draft picks. And they're going to continue going that way, I'm sure. It seems like the Greg Roman thing is kind of going to happen here. So, like, who were who's the replacement? Is it Cully? Is it Urban? Who do you think? Mm. That's a brutal question. It's tough. It's tough on the spot, but I just kind of thought of that. And I was, I guess, Cully. I think it is Cully. Like Urban's got the tenure here, but Cully. It seems like there's just rave reviews about the guy, and he was just in Kansas City. And he's kind of the calming veteran <sighs> presence that Roman brought to. I think Urban Cully is a West Coast guy through and through. He is an Andy Reid offensive guy, and I really like what like I was just talking about. Fifty-seven percent of those attempts, like I want that read option to stay. I mean, we've seen. I, I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes runs a ton of read option stuff, uh, and maybe that doesn't end up being the case if Cully does take over Mahomes right now while missing a couple games has had. 61 read option plays, um, which is fifth in the NFL while missing a couple of games. He's only run the ball in five of those. So uh, obviously a ton of play action for him as well. He has 103 play action attempts, which I believe ranks 10th. Well, he did miss a couple games, like I said. So we shall see if the uh, this is a weird one. I mean, if Jerry Jones, like I know they won today, if he gets really, really like impatient and totally cleans house. That means Kellen Moore is on the market. I don't love Kellen Moore. I kind of do. Why? I liked what he was able to do with Dak earlier in the year. I think if he has the right pieces and not Jason Garrett as his head coach, then he could maybe have some really consistent success. And he's a young guy. You think he's just smart? Maybe he's just smart enough and he can go implement it. Well, yeah, he's, he's like, well, so another, a problem I have with that is he'd definitely be a head coach if he had even one year of success here because there was talk of him getting head coaching buzz at the beginning of this year. And the Cowboys just fell off the rails as a team, so that isn't going to happen now. But I don't know. I just think if you buy low on a guy like that, uh, maybe improve his stock a little bit, he could be a good option uh, as far as outside options. It's it's tough to tell, though, because like you don't always know who the assistants are on some of these teams. But I don't know. Like Maybe they bring in Bill Bedenball, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, which I did just Google because I don't know it off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, I mean, something like that. But I just want the RPO – the read option, the versatility, the... Ugh. I think, yeah, I think Moore can do that, though. Like, he did a little bit of that with Zeke and Dak. Mm. But I'm not saying... Maybe not, he could. Maybe I'm he not could. saying I just like, don't. I just don't know what I'm not saying he's, about. like, my top option, but, like, I think he could do that stuff because he I was, don't see him making a lateral move. Well, that's what's weird about it. Like, is he going to get hired as a head coach? Probably not. So if he gets Harbaugh fired, doesn't hire young guys either yeah. to take coordinator positions. You have to rise up through because he doesn't like that. My opinion doesn't like the the threat to his throne of a young guy. I think he's kind of, he's literally survived the brink of death last year and he's already won a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's with where his stock is at right now. I don't know if he's too threatened. Very true. Anyone. Very true. And maybe that does allow him to 
kind of break that chain. But it would it would be a weird move. I'm with you on that. It would. I'm just not positive where else something would. I come just like from. to keep my ear to the ground, man. I you know, I'm I'm a journalist, just keeping the ink under my fingernails, watching. It's a watch. good question. It's a difficult question. It's something we're going to need to think about and talk about. And I mean, if you're another NFL team with a young quarterback, it's something they should be preparing for because Roman is probably going. Well, be who gone. else might get fired? Okay. In terms of like offensive guys. In terms of a head coach even that might be an offensive mind. Any, it, I can't think of anything it, off the top of my head. Is Nagy safe? Nagy's safe. Yeah. Okay. I think Nagy's safe. So he, he would be like perfect. He would be, yeah, he'd be like my number one pick. Yes. Who else? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. If it, there's a lot of guys that are going to be fired, I feel like. Redskins are going to obviously get a new coach. Maybe Freddie. Urban Meyer. He's, he's not going to come in as OC. No, I'm saying he's going to be the Redskins Takeover coach. Redskins coach. Yeah. That would be so sick. I really hope he does. Yeah. Um, who else gets fired? Uh, Marone is going to get fired. Probably. It's been floated that he probably is. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. He's um, not doing any. He's not moving the needle offensively. Anthony Lynn. He was in Buffalo with Roman. No way. Anthony Lynn's getting fired. He's a defensive guy too. No, he was a he was an offense. Was he? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I think so. Well, anyway, um, it's tough. It's that's going to be a tough one. I feel like. If Roman wants to be a head coach, I there's going to be more than three openings. Probably end up like there's just it feels like there's six or seven every year. So if and when Roman's probably your second or third choice, if you want an offensive guy, he's probably your first or second choice. Especially if you want an X's and O's guy. So yeah, so Lynn was a running backs coach, then he was mm. an offensive coordinator for the Bills. That I thought he was a DB guy. No, he, yeah, he's been a special teams assistant and a running backs coach his whole career, like Damn. 20 year career. And he was hmm. a player too. So. Yeah, I knew that. For some reason, I always thought he was a DB. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see Wink as well. I just don't, I just have a, I have a tough, for some reason, I just have a tough time thinking either of these guys want to go, move on. I feel like both of them are X's and O's guys and don't necessarily want to go deal with all that. It has to be like a good situation too. I don't think Greg Roman wants to go take over the Cowboys. I don't, you know, the Panthers worry me with that. I think he, with I think Tepper is an intriguing owner, especially to a guy. He wants like analytics Roman. bad. He does. And Roman's going to be coming right from that. And he basically said in his sort of post Rivera firing that he wanted somebody young or new and offensive and not as many words in that, but a guy who is going to bring some new offensive ideas and, you know, analytics, which screams Roman, it does. And Absolutely. It depends on what happens. I guess Roman there. does want to take a head coaching job. He's the ultimate redemption story. I think he does. Uh, I mean, based under, on an underappreciated guy. Right. I mean, based on some of the stuff that he's been saying, too, it kind of strikes me as him wanting to uh, maybe get that opportunity. Connor was on here. He mentioned that the guy's just been completely under underappreciated, like you were hinting at there in his career. And, you know, he's bounced around all these different places due to. You know, circumstances that aren't really basically the head coach gets fired, so he gets canceled. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was these circumstances that had nothing to do. It was with like him. so stupid. It was that Harbaugh, he was the Ravens' tight ends coach, and not calling plays. Somewhere. Yeah, it was Jim Harbaugh like beefing with Trent Balky, got him out of San Francisco. It was Rex Ryan being a fucking shitty head coach, unmitigated disaster, getting him out of there in Buffalo. And then he, yeah, he he was up, a scapegoat he, on that Buffalo team. He was, and he winds up here and rehabs his image a little bit as a run game coordinator. Uh, and then he was just the perfect guy to take over for this year. So this is th this is the perfect situation for him in terms of like long term success. But I wouldn't begrudge him. Uh, I mean, he's the best Ravens offensive coordinator ever. Yeah, Gary Kubiak is second, but Roman like the how few times I've been genuinely like 
pissed off or infuriated as a fan of this team with the play calling is actually remarkable because even the best coordinators you get freaking pissed at sometimes. Yeah. And you're obviously they know so much more than we do and whatever, but um, I've been so happy with him. Every single, the only game he ever pissed me off in was a Steelers game and that game was just weird. So um, yeah, Greg Roman deserves a world and hopefully he wants to stay with the Ravens. And well, we know Wink Martindale is going to Atlanta. So that's a Wink Martindale will be in deal. Atlanta. Uh, if you're at the Fila podcast, Forever I Love Atlanta, you are at that. This is our guy. God bless him. Don Martindale. Yep. He's that guy for them. Photoshopped uh, Don Martindale on a Dan Quinn's body. Made him look so fat, too. So disrespectful. He's like yoked. He's shit yoked. Did you see that picture? He's a brick shit house. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he looks like uh, the wrestler, that movie. What is the actor's name? Like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. He okay. has that like old man, dense muscle, kind of like spotty skin. He's like uh, Robert De Niro as like end of life Jake LaMotta in Raging Bull. Like yeah. just, he's got a little bit of a belly, but he's still like cut his shit. Like, but, like on the, he'll, on the arms he'll pick and, you up by the collar of your shirt and slam you into a brick wall and say, don't ever disrespect my daughter again. Exactly. Like he's, Wink Martindale's a badass. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully the Ravens are able to retain at least one of these guys. Um, if they make a Super Bowl run, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We don't like to do that, but there, there's just no way someone's yeah. going to offer them the world. Yep, it's going to happen, and it sucks. It does. But that's uh, that's life in the NFL. If you do well, your coaches will go, your players will go. Well, you got to be prepared for it. And I mean, they've shown that they're a forward-thinking organization this past uh, you know 18 months or so. So I think they will be. Absolutely, and it would just be unfortunate moving forward if Lamar isn't able to get you know retain a similar situation after his play. Like obviously if Roman does move on, you're going to need someone that comes in and, and even if he stays, it's not going to be this good ever again. Probably at least for not a couple of years, I would think. I don't know why it wouldn't be. This is like, this is perfection. Like, you know what I mean? Teams will catch up a little, but like, I think team, it'll like very look good. what's happening with Mahomes is here. He's still having a good season, but the team kind of slips around him a little bit, and all that of a sudden, post Cream Hunt Mahomes is not that great. They don't have a good running back. They don't have a great running game. I don't know. I still, he's still really good though. He is incredible. He's that's what I, well, that's what I'm saying. Twenty five touchdowns now, three picks, something. like yeah, that. Yeah, like situations change. Like yeah, they do. So for sure, people have slumps. Peyton Manning had bad games, all the good stuff, but we shall see. Yeah, we certainly will. And we got a couple more mailbags in, which were just some lovely comments. Betty Lores New. Hi, Baltimore Beatdown. Love you. Don't know if you're a bot or not based on your name, but we love you too. Well, we love you too, whether you're a bot or not. All um, all mailbag comments matter, whether you're a bot yes. or you're not. Robo plus humans equal we still like you. Sergio Franicelli. Embrace the singularity. Stance on, su- stance on snugs. I love, I love snugs. I am a big snugger. You big or a little spoon guy? Ah, you're a little spoon guy at heart, but like it just—it's not practical for me. I'm freaking too. Yeah, the, well, the franchise is like half your height too. I feel like. Yeah. So, stance on snugs, yes. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that about does it. Anything else from the Jets game? Stuck out. Blocked punt was bad. Special teams bad game. I was looking. Yeah, at that the, was their worst special teams game of the year. They're fourth in special teams DVOA. Yes, we might maybe see that drop after a pretty shitty overall performance. I think that was kick coverage was bad. I think that's updated. There's still no, 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 no. It can't be. I think that. I think it is. No, it gets updated every Wednesday. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. They will probably drop a spot. I don't know what exactly what it is, but whatever. That was their worst special teams. Get it out of the way. Good. Have that happen now. Have that happen now so that 
uh, Chris Horton can go lash everyone in the film room, make them watch plays a thousand times, make them watch the block punt a thousand times. Those uh, those special teams players are definitely going to be hearing a who this week. Horton. It's- Here's defensive backs coach Chris Hewitt. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's tough. They've had a lot of guys come in. Jalen Richards from the Patriots has come in, done a, quietly a pretty good job. De'Anthony Jordan Richards? Jordan Richards, pardon me. Um, I remember. So he was like a safety from Rutgers who had like a six-round grade. They took him in like the second round, and that was just like the most Patriots thing ever. Like, it's, love, like every year they, they take, love Rutgers. They guys. take a safety from Rutgers and like the end of the first round, you have like a fourth round grade. Like I love runs that. like a four eight, but plays with grit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then D'Anthony Thomas has been making a couple tackles too, yeah. which is weird. That stood out to me on film a little bit. It, he's hundred and like sixty. He's like basically same size as Hollywood. Kind of had some nice tackles there. Saw Justin Tucker get a little little physical into the end of a tackle. Yeah, he, he had something. a bad game. Fine, get those out of the way. I agree. Get those out of the way. It wasn't it wasn't windy. It was pretty good conditions. It was cold, but it was very dry. Uh, not a lot of wind. So hopefully, when the playoffs come through Baltimore, as they are looking like they will, just no more rain, please. Just no more rain. That's- yeah, Baltimore's been getting pummeled with rain uh, the last couple of weeks here. Uh, a little bit salty because I was trying to get my fire going and get a little little snugs and you know warm going on in here. That's our stance on little, snugs. Yeah, a little uh, IPA action here and relax and watch some SNF. The wood was a little bit soaked because of the rain. So if we can just stop with that, that would be nice. We would appreciate it. And I think with that, I yield. Okay. Yeah. Does that do it for us, buddy? I think it does. Yeah, we can uh, circle back on either Wednesday or Friday, depending on what we decided to do with the Sessler interview. But uh, yeah, if that's all you've got, we're running well over an hour here. So we can get moving. Uh, Really hope you guys enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please leave the show a five-star review on iTunes. Leave us those reviews. Keep them coming. Yeah, even after the contest. Let's keep those things going because they're helping us soar up the charts. Listenership has been growing steadily, and we'd like to continue that on. With this episode, we should hit our 100,000... Uh, listener mark for the year we love you guys thank you so much for all the support um got some good couple more reviews have come in i'm I'm looking at them right now uh someone threw in a late missile december 6th sick miss a few which is a funny name balls these guys deflate my enthusiasm for the ravens like Tom. oh yeah that's balls that one's been in there yeah okay but yeah really funny dude sick joke and then the last one is just sick not here to talk bad just here to say my wife told me I woke her up in the middle of the night while she was sleeping, and the only thing I said to her was sick. Yeah, I'm a snorer, so I can relate. I mean, not with the sick aspect of it, but yeah. Unless you like fall asleep to Sean White videos or something, then you just wake up and you're like, sick. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Maybe I did watch <laughs> a little bit too much Sean White, and that's how it got injected into the bloodstream of uh, this podcast. I was a big skater kid, so maybe that's where I got it from. Oh, seventh grade, I used to wear like exclusively Billabong and Hurley and like practice doing a kickflip in the driveway for hours and not do it oh yeah i I was watching the uh, team baker videos and stuff when i was like way too young um but yeah definitely leave those reviews for us subscribe on spotify wherever you get your podcast tell your friends let's get this word of mouth thing going um and yeah i mean if you want to continue consuming our content elsewhere you can find the show on twitter at podcast beatdown follow baltimore.beatdown on instagram to get some Spenny's uh, cool IG stories and stuff that he puts up. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter 
at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. I'm trying to get more active on there from like a football standpoint because I do most of my football tweets from the show Twitter, which is the at podcast beatdown account. It's, it's it's tough to run the show account. It is. Yeah, like, it's like you obviously it, want to grow yourself personally. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that uh, from that sense a little bit. So I'm getting a little bit more active on there. So follow me at Jake Luke, L-O-U-Q-U-E, and also follow the show. I'll still be posting a ton on there with memes and stuff that I find. Uh, and that's at podcast beatdown and follow Spencer at Ravens Four dummies. That's the number four, uh, check out the uh, website at baltimorebeatdown.com for all of our written content. Uh, you can find some great stuff there from Frank, who's doing some re- weekly write-ups. Dustin, uh, also is pretty consistent. Spencer obviously does film review and everything. And then, uh, Kyle and Voss are in there putting some general stuff out there every now and then as well. And, uh, you know, I pop a few here and there in occasionally as well. So check out the website for all the written stuff. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's all we got for now. And, uh, we will see you guys in a couple of days. Yes. Last note is that I, once, once it's draft season, prepare yourselves. If you're into the draft, that is my favorite time of the year. And I will be getting frisky with articles and on Twitter and endless film breakdowns. I'm obsessed with the draft. So I am too. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a huge draft guy. We haven't, we haven't tangled uh, draft that much yet. So we'll have, we'll have a lot of fun on this podcast. We're got our buddy Connor Rogers. We'll try and get a few more connects for draft season, even, you know, wherever the Ravens pick, whatever. I just love talking prospects. It's my like literal lifeblood since I've been like 12 years old. Um, so if you're into the draft, if you're into that stuff, if you're not, and you'd like to be like to learn a little bit about some scouting stuff that I've picked up over the years, please come uh, tangle with us in the off season and let's keep this party going. And with that, see ya. Peace out. You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running yeah, the down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, I like that. You in the gutter. I like that bump of grass. He like the trench work. That boy like yeah. to get down. Like down and dirty. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm that's saying. My, that's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and I bang, bang, bang all day. <laughs> <laughs>